Say one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. You're listening to Song and Story, conversations with songwriters about their songs. You can support this project on Patreon, and you can learn more at songandstorypodcast.com. The title of this episode is Mile Marker 154. As the title indicates, this episode's featured song is rife with specificity. It deals with people and places and memory in a beautiful way. But I've talked about all those things in previous introductions. So before I play our featured song, I'd like to share a few thoughts on two words. Artistic satisfaction. Let's begin here. In 1975, Bruce Springsteen released one of the greatest albums in rock and roll history, Born to Run. And on October 27th of that year, Bruce became the first rock and roll star to be featured on the cover of Time magazine and Newsweek in the same week. That's how big Born to Run was. The single landed Bruce on the Billboard charts, and the album saved his record deal, gave him commercial success, and made him a rock and roll legend. But to get there... It took Springsteen six months of recording to get the version of Born to Run that put him on the charts. And once the full album was mixed and mastered, Bruce, after hearing it for the first time, threw the record into the hotel swimming pool and said, we're doing this over again. I think that perpetual artistic dissatisfaction stems from a combination of self-doubt and the fact that artists are constantly changing and challenging themselves to do new things and to do old things better. The process of recording an album is so immersed in creativity that by the time you're finished, you've grown and evolved as a creator so much that your self-criticism can be an obstacle. It can be more destructive than constructive. And once you release the music, you forfeit the power to make changes. Once your ideas are cemented in accessible sound waves, that's when the doubt and dissatisfaction begins to mount. I should have done this differently. I could sing that so much better now. Ah, The guitar is too loud. That drum fill is wrong. It's overproduced. No, it's missing something. The timing is off. Are any of these songs even good? Throw it in the pool. We're doing this over again. Artistic satisfaction is an elusive thing. This episode's featured artist is Jackie Trico. She released her debut EP back in 2015. It's a collection of four songs, all very personal, and they're sung and produced with a delightful indie folk pop vibe. Except for one song, the one Jackie is the least artistically satisfied with. It's the most stripped, the most unproduced, the most imperfect. And in the context of the Holy P, I think that's why I like it so much. In every respect, it's the most personal. This is the title track of Jackie Trico's debut EP, Genevieve.
24 Racing down toward the end I don't even know what for Cause summer's just as far away as he is from my door Tonight But as I reach the stop And make the left I'm taken back to that time When I fell for Genevieve's Towering steeple open fields Couldn't believe that it was real I fell for Genevieve's Open hearts that fill the streets It's a love I can't Fireworks up, train trestles high Flying down the open road toward playgrounds and the riverside Cause summer's just as far away as stars were on that cloudless night The moon hid herself and we couldn't see what was right before our eyes When I fell for Genevieve's Towering steeple open fields Couldn't believe that it was real I fell for Genevieve's Open hearts that it's a love I can't repeat They say you fall in love Just like you fall asleep Slowly then All I once And that was Genevieve When I fell for Genevieve Open hearts that fill the streets It's a love I can't repeat I fell for Genevieve's Open hearts that fill the streets It's a love I can't repeat
It's so interesting because that you asked for this song because I never would have expected you to. Really? It's my least favorite song. Really? But not because I don't like the actual song, but I hate the recording of it. Really? Why? So I'm not a guitarist. I'm a, I'm a singer that plays guitar. And so my guitar stuff is pretty simple. But Genevieve is like an oddly like, I think I literally just was like, mm, let's stick the capo this way here. And then I just made it up. I really don't know. I've only ever done that with one other song. And then I played it for them, for the musicians I was working with. And they were just like, what time signature is that? I was like, I don't know. And they were like, why do you switch? And I'm like, Be- because it's how it goes. You mean during the breakdown? Studio musicians are looking at me like, I think you should just record this one. I'm like, okay. That's... So funny. Okay, so are you talking about the the bridge part? Yeah, when it when it goes to, when it goes to the like, it's like telling you, it's like citing memory, and then it goes into this like I fell for Genevieve, and that the mood shifts and the actual, um, the I can't think of words right now, but the way that I play it changes completely, and then it flips back. Right. But I got so nervous. <laughs> I was like that we had to do it all in one take all together because I couldn't play them separately. I just like written it like a month ago. It was, yeah. So it's, and it, it's the only one where I didn't record vocals as well as I wanted to because fascinating. it was really hard to get both the guitar right and the vocals without, we must've done like a ton of takes. Yeah. There, there are some songs and I, I definitely know that from my own experience. There are some songs that it's really hard to duplicate them when you're not playing and singing at the same time. It's hard to duplicate the way that you sing it yeah. when you're playing. That's always, for me, that's a big struggle about being in the studio because when you're not holding the instrument and it doesn't have that same kind of organic feel, yeah. you overthink it. Even just like the build of it changes too because like, there's a very like, at least in my music, the way that I build something to like emphasize it, it happens simultaneously with the instrument and my voice. That and they usually like play or they're like at attention. So if I'm not playing it together, then my voice it's like you're trying to get a reaction from two chemicals and you're not actually mixing them. You're just putting them next to each other in glass boxes. I'm like here, let's make this work. Yeah. So it's just, it was super funny to me. I was like, okay, well, let's, yeah, let's talk about it. That's so funny. Well, every, so everything you, that you just said about it makes sense. The fact that you don't like it, not so much. But yeah. the way you describe the recording process and the musician's reaction to it, that'll make sense because it definitely, it doesn't feel as polished as the other tracks on the EP. And I don't say that in any way to be a negative thing. Like it's it's really refreshing when there's a track that it's it's more raw yeah. and less produced and more stripped than yeah. the other ones. Like those, I think, are the really interesting, intimate glimpses into the artists and uh, and and what they can do. So, but the reason I I pick this one is because you know I, I listened to all of them a, a few times again and and handed my wife a pair of headphones and distracted our kids so she could <laughs> listen to the whole thing. Yeah. I just had her I had her listen to Be Still My Heart, St. Louis and uh and Genevieve 
And she said, Genevieve. And I said, which is, which is what I was leaning towards. And I said, why? And she said, because it makes me want to know more about it than the other ones do. Which is not, you know, again, it's not in any way knocking the other two. It just kind of speaks, it speaks to what particulars and details and specifics in a song can do. You know, they, they make us want to know what you're singing about. And, and it became clear to her when you describe Genevieve's towering steeple and open fields that Genevieve wasn't a woman. It was a place. Yeah. Uh, Where was it? You know, we both wanted to know. Yeah. It's actually interesting because even though I don't like the recording, it still has like is is having and has had a really influential point um in how i want to go forward because like as we're talking about you're like talking about that like raw whatever my whole so i'm recording i'm writing for a full length that is effectively just going to be a b-sides recording so i'm like a-siding the (laughs) b-sides so (laughs) just be me and my guitar with minimal editing if any just to like get it up to sound quality and then then i want to release an ep following that with that's collaborative based like with songs from that full length that are fully fleshed out and like developed oh interesting so yeah but so genevieve even though i hate that recording it still like haunts me and and has an impact on me i don't know songs are weird like that (laughs) that's so funny so you're going to kind of do the opposite of what everyone else does, which is most people will release a full-length record and then like an acoustic EP of B-sides. You're going to release an acoustic full-length and then an EP of fully produced and fleshed-out tracks. My favorite things from artists are their B-sides and their acoustics. And also just as I write music, like my, sorry, my sister sings with me on the EP, but we're really, really close. Like my sister... Like some of my friends from Nashville, like my best friends, they all, as soon as I write a song, I send it. I like record it on voice memos and I send it. And so all they get is Jackie with possible mistakes, actually. <laughs> like this first take, my guitar, whatever time in the night it is or day and the words and that's it. And I realized it's like, that's the people that like love my music the most. Those, that's what they're hearing is that like initial, like, and a lot of my friends in Nashville that listen to it, they're like, why don't you just like release something like this? Because Jackie, this is like good enough sound quality that to do it. Like, Did you ever hear Bruce Springsteen's Nebraska album? I haven't. I, I actually haven't listened to a lot of Springsteen. I listened to your first podcast. I was like, I need to listen to Springsteen. <laughs> but I haven't it yet. <laughs> That's funny. Is that what you're talking about the introduction where I talked about the Counting Crows? Yeah, 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 I think so. Yeah. yeah. What'd I say about Springsteen? I don't know, but you talked about him and I was like, well, I, I really don't know. I remember where I was sitting. I was in the wrong seat on an airplane, which because I was so tired <laughs> that I sat in the wrong seat. And I heard that and I was like, yeah, I should because I cover I'm on fire. And Oh, really? Yeah. And I have for since I was in high school. But it was because someone sent it to me and it was like, my parents' best friends love Bruce Springsteen. Like they used to. <laughs> oh, good. They're good people. I like them. They, they actually used to party with Springsteen because my... Um, my dad's best, well, their best friend, the guy, he um, helped him with like his microphones and stuff. They're from the same place in New Jersey. So <laughs> they're like, you have to cover Bruce. That's the only reason I'm doing this podcast is because eventually I'll talk to a musician who knows Bruce personally and I can meet him. 
but that would be ideal. <laughs> Listen to Nebraska, okay. and we've gone way off course here. I told you, I'm the queen of rabbit holes. It happened. <laughs> the line that you sing to open and to close the song is mile marker 154. Yeah. What is that? Where is that? Mile marker 154 is on I-55 South in Missouri. And it's the mile marker for the Highway O to get to St. Genevieve, Missouri. And I spent a summer in St. Genevieve, um, which was totally happenstance and providential, like crazy summer for me because my music went from like just stuff that I wrote in my, my room to process and that I played at talent shows at my school <laughs> to something that might be like livable or, or like, so this like dream that I'd always had was suddenly like in my face and all of its messy reality. I really like how the whole first verse is completely devoted to getting to this place as I reach the stop and make the left. Uh, I'm taken back to that time. So did you write this upon revisiting this place or was that just kind of a lyrical device? Well, I kind of wanted to touch on a couple of things. Like the first is that kind of, it's a really distinct memory because every time we left St. Genevieve, we would go on and we'd come back. It was that entrance. There was no real other entrance off the highway that we used. Um, so even just like remembering going there and coming there, um, that was a huge thing. But also I wrote it right before I went back for the first time since the summer, I was going to play a show at a winery there and I was trying to just like process all the, all of those things that had happened in like the last like three or four months, because I was in the middle of like fundraising for my Kickstarter when I went back. So it was like, I showed up in this town and like had, didn't know anybody and except my friend from college. And I had no idea like what I was doing there. I just like knew that I needed to be there. <laughs> and so I showed up. And so it's like kind of a, yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of both. Once I concluded that it was not about a person, that it was about a place, my first thought was that it was kind of like a love song to like a, a specific church building. And the clue that I would have insinuated that from is because you sing When I Fell for Genevieve's Towering Steeple mm. and the fact that the EP cover art has kind of like a sketch of a of a chapel on the front of it. That, that, that is the steeple. That is the steeple, yeah. okay. But, yeah. it, but the church itself was not St. Genevieve's church. Actually, to be honest, I don't know what the name is. <laughs> Of the church, okay. That church building, I rarely went into, but I would mm. see the church because you, when you drive into St. Genevieve, it's like the most prominent, it's the only thing in there. They, there's no skyline. It's a small town in Missouri, but there's this huge steeple. And that's kind of where, that was like the moment that like you, like knew you were home. You're like, okay, I see the steeple. I'm, I'm like, sure. Um, so actually it's it was less about the church and more about like the people that were there but it was like the church in an intangible way the the church is like a a significant kind of marker that you were home yeah like like the 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 beacon or the lighthouse for the town yeah exactly that's cool so it wasn't about 
So I'm thinking, all right, this must be about a, a church called St. Genevieve's. It turns out it's about a town called St. Genevieve's. <laughs> Uh, how big is the town? Oh man, Allie, my friend Allie's going to kill me if I get this wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's about 10,000 people. It's not a lot. It might even be less than that. Okay. It, it is a small Missouri town. It's actually the oldest settlement west of the Mississippi. Really? It, it's like, a, it's, it's going through like a huge restoration now, which is pretty cool. Really? Is it, is it close to independence? I have no idea. <laughs> I didn't explore a lot of Missouri when I was there. It wasn't like a high priority. <laughs> well, Independence, Missouri is where everybody took off from uh, for the uh, for the Oregon Trail. Oh, yeah. I still don't know if that's close to St. Genevieve, but okay. <laughs> but I do remember it from Oregon Trail. Um, How far from St. Louis? An hour and fifteen minutes, I think. South. Yeah. Okay, I've played in cape Girardeau a few times yeah yeah okay it's north of cape Girardeau. cape Girardeau is like okay city <laughs> interesting so i wonder if i've driven past it then you probably have it's it's like right they have like a lot of wineries around it and so um it's like missouri wine country whatever that means and so <laughs> if you see a bunch of like winery signs um then you'll probably you're probably pretty close the second verse here fireworks off train trestles high flying down the open road toward playgrounds and the riverside because summer's just as far away as stars were on that cloudless night you know the imagery is it's beautiful it feels particular to you but it also feels familiar how particular of a memory is it or does it just kind of encapsulate the whole experience i think if i had to like describe what happened to me that summer, apart from like the music, like separate from what was happening with my music, that that's pretty descriptive. Um, but it was actually a very specific, it was one night. And <laughs> I am not a big like risk taker when it comes to personal safety. Like there are things that I'm like, about, but I'm not about to like climb onto a train trestle where there could be like a moving train at any given point to blow things up. <laughs> That's not like my, like I would not come up with that by myself, but these like kids from this small town in Missouri, we were all together and it was, I think it had started at my birthday party. Um, they had thrown me a birthday party where I sang. That was that was the birthday party. It was a surprise party. It was like a concert that I gave for my birthday, which was honestly like the best gift you could give a musician. Um, but so we we were driving in the car, and they're like, "Okay, I know where we need to go." And so we climbed onto this train trestle that was I don't even want to know how high off the ground. And there aren't usually trains. That's what they said. That's it. There aren't usually trains. <laughs> like okay, <laughs> and then yeah, we like. Through, we like lit fireworks on this train trestle and then the night just like seemed to not end like we were like okay well now what do we do because there was this like 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 uh, this like undertone that everyone picked up on we didn't want to to stop so like how are we gonna like keep it going and so we my friend had a jeep and it was like this big jeep four by four wrangler or something like that and we just like tore down these like completely open roads to the river and then we then it was probably like three or four in the morning at this point and we're just going and going and going because there was this like 
I think it was the last time we were going to be able to hang out. I think that that was the context. And so none of us were wanted, wanted to let go of it. It would have been such like a beautiful summer and like there's so much like that had happened. So is that, you know, when you sing and we couldn't see what was right before our eyes, you're talking about friendship or the, the bond that you had, had formed throughout that summer. In the moment, you were just kind of basking in it, but it, it wouldn't be until you're kind of rem- really removed from it and can can reflect on it that uh, that you're able to really understand what you, what you had. Yeah, like the depth of it, because I think that like it's one of those things that you can feel when it's happening, but you don't understand what you're feeling. It's like almost like your cup is just overflowing, and you're just happy about it. Like you're just you're just like you're basking in it. You're just enjoying that that joy. Uh, but you don't understand like the profound impact that that has or like the way that that shapes you until later. So like I could say in the moment that like, yeah, these, these friends that I have, or this person are like, they're, they're incredible and they mean a lot to me. And like, I'm so grateful for the summer and all these things. But then like in October when I was going back, I could see the way that these particular friendships and the way that they had loved me this summer and the way that I had been like welcomed into this community where I really shouldn't have belonged, like was how, how, how deep of an impact that had on me. Um, this like sense of belonging in a place where I shouldn't belong <laughs> by like stand normal standards. Why, why do you say that? Like where I shouldn't belong. Cause they're so different. I was this like sassy city kid that never like my my mom's from the midwest but like and i went to school in kansas but like if you'd ask me i grew up in dc but then i was smack dab in the middle of this tiny small farming town i worked at an ice cream shop like our our nights based like my mornings consisted of having coffee with my friend's grandma and then her grandpa coming down and talking to me about green beans and new potatoes and ava missouri and all these different things but like it was and it was so slow like it was the, the pace of life was so slow but in a really good way i remember like looking at me like this is great <laughs> like i like but but also just because like i think i'm always astounded when people love me like i like because i i don't know i'm very I'm a hyper like aware person of like I, i'm like very aware of my faults um and so when people love me and know me and love me it always amazes me and it always like leaves a really deep impression because i think that as an artist like i always forget it that like that the rest of even though i see all the flaws and the mistakes that like the rest of this is still lovable i mean all of it's still lovable does that make sense yeah man i'm glad i asked because you you (laughs) Because you use that phrase a few times yeah. that I I should I shouldn't have belonged and I didn't. Yeah. I was like, eh, I don't know if I'll ask, but then I ask, and I'm glad I did because that was beautiful. <laughs> it's actually it's so crazy because now like so I wrote this in 2014. It's 2018, so four years ago. I don't know that if I hadn't found um, this love or hadn't been loved this way in Saint Genevieve, if I would have been able to make the decisions I've made after this because having lived that reality where I suddenly belonged in a place where I shouldn't have, or it didn't make sense that I did when the opportunity came up to like move to Nashville, 
or and then then to move to Geneva and then to move to to the Netherlands. I don't know that I would have like had a certainty, the certainty that I did that I would be okay. Because I think for me, like belonging is I think for most people, like belonging is essential. And and so Genevieve, this community that just like took me in and loved me, um, really like proved to me that that could be found anywhere. I think that's a perfect kind of lead in to the part of the song that made all of the Nashville musicians not not want to record it. <laughs> yeah. How do I describe this here? So the song is all sung in the past tense. Yeah. So it's obvious that you're you're reflecting on something that has already happened, but the whole time you're singing it, you know, you're you're painting a really nice scene and we're imagining it in the now. Yeah. But then when you get to this bridge part, when the music stops and the t- the time signature completely changes, um, everything about it completely changes. It's almost like we are pulled out of this scene and we are reflecting with you on what it all means. Yeah. And I think it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thought. They say you fall in love just like you fall asleep slowly then all at once did did you come up no, with that no and this has been like my like guilty and that's why i say they say <laughs> and really i need to like in if i ever re-release it which i hope to at some point i'm gonna like majorly cite john green in the song this the what is it the fault in our stars because that's what he said okay and that but that summer i read that book right before i went and that hit me like a ton of bricks when i was remembering it like just that, that like you fall in love, like slowly and then all at once, because it's really true. It's like, it's, and it doesn't, it doesn't have to be romantic. I think anytime I fell in love with something, when you look back, you can see that it was slowly and then all at once, even if in the moment it's like, and then it just happened. Like you can kind of like go back and be like, well, actually I kind of was prepared in this way right. to like fall for this, like, like, or, or that this happened, this happened, this happened. But yeah. But yeah, so that that was not mine. Sorry, John Green. It never really got famous enough for it to matter. But <laughs> <laughs> either way, regardless of who wrote it, it's a line perfectly incorporated into the song. It pulls you out of the scene for a moment, and it's almost like you're saying everything I'm telling you right now, everything I'm describing. This is all I'm really trying to say. I'm just talking about the uniquely human experience of falling in love. They say you fall in love just like you fall asleep slowly, then all at once, and you cap it with, and that was Genevieve. Yeah. And it's almost like, okay, now after this aside, now we're going to jump back in yeah. and and celebrate the place one more time. And this is my point, is I think the fact that, uh, that those Nashville musicians didn't want to play it I think that ended up being a blessing in disguise because just having it be you makes makes all the difference. And I think is it a cello? Is that the other instrument? Yeah. Or a viola? Okay. Yeah. So that's the only other instrument on here aside from you and your guitar. Yeah. But but it doesn't play there, right? No. So that I think is that I think is so cool that when you get to that little almost like an aside, it's just you. Yeah. And then and then we jump back in. The bridge actually was the last thing that I wrote. 
And it wasn't that I had this song like kind of done for a week. And I was like, I showed it to my sister. She's like, it's not done. I was like, I know. I really want it to be done because I want to be able to play it at my show next week. She was like, we'll finish it then. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what to say. I was like, I don't know. I was like, because, and it's, it's actually really interesting because I've never talked to anybody about this song in depth because no one really asks about it. So I was sitting there at my piano with my guitar on my lap. And I was like, I was just like, I was like, I don't know how to describe this because like, I want to go back. Like I want to feel this again, but I know that tomorrow or the next week when I go back, it's not going to feel the same. And I want to be okay with that too. And I don't know how I was like trying, I was like, how do I like musically represent (laughs) this like tension that I feel between like memory and presence and, and actually do it justice without it becoming this like daydream of a song because I didn't want it to be a daydream because I can paint you pictures all day but if it doesn't like hit you if it if if, if I if I'm not communicating anything then it it just kind of passes through your mind like a daydream which is nice but that's not what I was trying to write right and and that and that's kind of my point like how I described it is like it feels like a daydream and then you completely rip us out of it like back to reality yeah yeah yeah, yeah. As far as the rules are concerned, you completely change, completely change the time signature on it, which is jarring. And so I think that achieved your end. Yeah, I kind of like this song. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I could help you like your own music. The real task of your podcast, help artists fall in love with their music. <laughs> but I, actually, I was playing it before um, we talked, and... I was like trying to remember the chords because I just don't play it because I like have such a negative response to the recording. I skip it all the time. And I was playing, I was like, actually, like I remember why I loved this because like even like the, it's just weird. Like, it, but it's fun to play. You're like, like my wrist is even just like flipping back and forth between like the, I don't even know. I don't, I honestly could not tell you what the chords are. I could record a video and that might be helpful. But like, other than that, I, I don't even know what it is, which probably also bothered the national musicians. They're like, what key is it? And I'm like, I got nothing. <laughs> and they're like, what's the time signature? Can I got nothing. Well, what are the chords? I made them up. That's so funny. So, okay. So to kind of like close it out here with the chorus again, then I fell for Genevieve's open hearts that filled the streets. It's a love I can't repeat. I think that kind of encapsulates that idea. Like the, the love that I felt that summer, I don't know if if I'll ever be able to really repeat it. Um, you might be able to kind of like duplicate synthetic or, or close versions of it yeah. elsewhere. But have you gone back to St. Genevieve since since that summer, since writing the song? Have you gone back when no one really that you, none of these people that you knew and loved were there? So my friend's family is there. So whenever I go back, I always see them. So some people of that, but, but yeah, the others have gone off to school or they're, they're done with school. One of them is living in India right now, (laughs) but I went back because the girl I lived with and her family, as she was getting married and I sang at her wedding and it was a really odd experience because I went there and I arrived at her house and I walked into her house without knocking like I've done a million times because I used to live there. And it was the strangest thing because 
it had been so long that I was like, there's no way that like, this isn't going to be weird, but it feels weird to knock. And I remember walking in and grandma Jan was like having coffee or something. And she was like, do you want a cup? Like I had just gotten back from work or like, you know, like, like nothing, like, like without a beat, like it was, it was like the closest thing to like coming back to like my own grandma's house, like after not being there for a while. And it like reminded me all over again, that this was like something that something real that had happened. I wasn't just, it wasn't artistic license that I had taken <laughs> to write this song. Like, I mean, like going back to St. Genevieve, it's like drenched in nostalgia for me. Like it's saturated with it in like right. a really positive way. So what actually made me settle on talking to you about Genevieve mm-hmm. was when I heard that at the end of the song, you, you sing mile marker 154 and that's it. The song ends. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh man, I really want to know what that is. It wasn't until I listened to the song again that I realized that that's actually the first line as well. Yeah. Which is funny that I'd heard it so many times and I missed it. Yeah. Like, and I think that's because it's, it's a, it's a striking ending line because it feels unresolved when it begins. We don't know who Genevieve is or what or where Genevieve is, but by the end of it, it's like, yeah, this is where we started and it feels like we're coming back to it now. It's interesting that line, um, I don't know if you know Sean Williams at all. Oh yeah, yeah. But so we he was on that tour with me with Love Good Music as well. And um he at one point was like, Why don't you end it? He's like, I just realized that you say the same line at the beginning and the end. Why don't why don't you change it to like one fifty five, like you're passing it? And I kind of toyed with it. I played it once that way, just to kind of experiment to see like if I liked it or not, because most people wouldn't really notice that much. And I didn't like it. And I remember thinking that the reason I didn't like it was like, because I wanted to bookend it like that because of the way that like you experience memory, like memory is really fascinating to me just in general, but also specifically in art, like how it's represented. But like, you know how someone says a word or you pass a thing and simultaneously, like your brain connects it to all of these different things that happen to you at once. And you feel all of the things, even if you unpack them, like after it, they all kind of hit you. And that's like, initially like that book ending, that's kind of what I wanted to communicate. Was it like, this all happened, this whole, this whole process, like all of these things hit me in a split second before I took my exit. Mm. And then the other um, factor of it was that I wanted yeah, I wanted there to be that tension, like that that I didn't doesn't say that, or that it doesn't like. And then I took the exit, and everything was happy, or then I passed it and I ignored it, and I wasn't didn't pay attention to it, because I think that like for me that was always the 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 thing was like how do I like process this? Do I how do I hold something that hurts to hold it, but I don't want to let go of it because it hurts to not hold it either. Oh yeah. And maybe like sit in front of it. Yeah. And so I wanted that, like, I didn't want to resolve it because it's not, it doesn't ever feel resolved when you have to let go of something that's good. It doesn't. I was actually listening to the podcast with, um, Rebecca, I don't know her last name. Uh, Ruby on. Yeah. About her song. I had heard it until I heard the podcast 
and I loved it oh, because yeah. of what she was talking about. That like you just have to sit in it, and like that's really true. And I think a lot of a lot of us. I mean, me too, all the time. Like, I don't want to sit in it. I want it to be processed and to be done and to be like, kind of like moving forward because it's happy. I don't know if it's just American or it's just me or it's just whatever, but it's like, we want to like keep going. And there's like a forward desire for forward motion. But sometimes in order to like get the forward motion without losing ourselves, you actually have to just sit in the mess of it and feel it all. Because otherwise you end up reducing what you experience, and it doesn't tell you anything about yourself, which means you don't know where to go. Mile marker one fifty. Racing down toward the ocean, I don't even know what for. 'Cause summer's just as far away as he is from my door tonight. But as I reach the stop and make the left, I'm taken back to that time when I. Summer's just as far away as stars were on that cloud this night. The moon hid herself, and we couldn't see what was right before our eyes. When I fell for Genevieve's towering steeple.
enjoyed my conversation with Jackie and you'd like to check out more of her music, it's available on iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, all those sites. And you can always go straight to her own website, JackieTrico.com, to get physical copies, check her tour schedule, and learn more. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider supporting it on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash songandstory. A lot of work goes into a single episode and every little bit helps keep the train rolling. Monthly patrons get access to all kinds of rewards and bonus content. For instance, I'll be posting a bonus episode for patrons only, featuring more of my conversation with Jackie. You can follow me, Kevin Heider, as well as Song and Story Podcast on social media. You can find all those links, and you can learn more, listen, and subscribe today at songandstorypodcast.com or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for listening. Because you still are, here's a little bonus clip. For the Kickstarter, we kind of just like went big. We're like, okay, this is, if we had all the bells and whistles, this was like really like no cost to you personally, because I was a student, so I didn't have any money. And I think like the original goal was like $15,000. And then about halfway, no, like three quarters of the way through the Kickstarter, I had, I'd kind of like bottomed out, not bottomed out, but like kind of leveled out at like eight or $9,000, which is a lot of money. Um, but I was like, I don't think we're going to get it. And I wasn't trying to be like negative, but I just, I, I am a diehard optimist with this like intense realistic streak. And I was like, this is not going to work. So like, how, how do I actually like make this work? Cause I'm going to record this CP. So but I don't have $9,000. So what I did was I went through the list and I looked at all of the donors and I wrote down all of the donors that because there are pretty much people that I knew. And so I made a, I started calling them as soon as the Kickstarter closed and I didn't get it. I was like, okay, I still want to do this. We can work with the budget that you guys just gave me. And, but so if you really want to support this then drop a check to me, I mean the mail, this is my address. Really? Yeah. And $8,000 worth of people did that. Really? People coming up to me on campus going like, here's the $10. I forgot to like, I don't, I'm not going to email it to you. I'm not going to mail it to you. So here's the $10. 
And the most amazing thing about that though, was like a good portion of that was people on my campus. So we're just like, here's $50, here's $20. Like other students that like had just as little money as I did were like, no, this is worth it. I'll eat, I'll eat cereal for a month so that you can go make this. And I mean, we, there was a few, quite a few like large donors, but yeah, it was amazing. And I think if it had been like a full Kickstarter and I had made the goal and it would have really shifted the way that I like interact with my fan base or how I view a fan base in general, because from the get go, like I have this, I can say that I'm on Spotify or I'm recorded or whatever, because people on my college campus reminded me that it was worth this. Like it was worth like the little sacrifices that that's been like a really defining thing for me when I'm like, panicking about like, how do I do this? Or what should I write? Or like, what do I do? Like, it's like, okay, yeah, these people are like, like, even if they don't know me, like that's the kind of like fan base that I wanted. And this is the kind of fan base that's grown from there. So, man. And so if you got the same amount that you would have had when the Kickstarter ended, that means that you got that, but you also didn't lose that 10%. Yeah, exactly. I think that's actually what people love. They're like, well, wait, you're going to get all of this? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, okay, cool. <laughs> I was like. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's really cool. Kickstarter just provided me like the 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 the, uh, the, the name list, basically. And they didn't get anything from it. <laughs> <laughs> Joke's on you, Kickstarter. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. That was quite a tangent for so early in the conversation. Yeah. Um, no, I'm like the queen of rabbit holes and tangents. 